Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you, so let's do this together. In past episodes, we've talked about various aspects of grief, how it affects us, how others can assist in the grieving process, how we grow personally in the midst of grief, and so many other things. We've admitted that grief can often be an unwelcome visitor and that loss has the power to forever change the trajectory of our lives depending on how we respond to it. The thing to realize about grief is that there is no playbook. There is no set formula to follow when it comes to how to grieve. Because each loss is unique, and each person is as different as their loss. Some will process more quickly than others, but all will likely process slower than they expect. Everyone will find varied outlets for their grief and ways to remember who and what they lost. So it's literally impossible to come up with a cookie-cutter way of how to handle the journey of bereavement. Thus, there are many things about the grieving process that come as a surprise. Emotions that have never been felt suddenly cannot be ignored. Memories long buried now stare you in the face. Thoughts are now consumed by the fact that who or what you lost is gone. And loneliness feels all enveloping as you have to deal with the reality that there is a new hole in your life that will never and can never be filled. For an indefinite period of time, You are forced to work through all kinds of feelings and alterations in your personality and mood as your mind, body, and spirit slowly adjust to the fact that someone you cared for deeply is no longer with you. And this can sometimes take a while. As I've discussed on previous episodes, our culture is not great at helping people understand how to grieve well. When something such as loss is such an inescapable thing for all of us, It is truly astonishing that we are so terrible at making space for its existence. We look for all kinds of ways to push away the presence of grief instead of learning how to make room for it. This means that those who mourn can often feel as though there is an unspoken timetable for healing, that by a certain point one should be here in the process, then later here, then later there. And it can start to be a situation where they become hard on themselves for somehow not being further along in the journey. In addition to battling the waves of sadness and trying to figure out a way forward, they can saddle themselves with guilt over somehow failing this unsaid test of whether or not they're dealing well with their loss and beginning to move on. This is why I feel it's so important to establish the fact that there is no set timetable. There is no schedule you're forced to keep, And there is no specific way you're supposed to go about it. The process is as unique as you, and it won't look the same for everyone. And I believe it's vital that those who've lost be given permission to take as long as they need before thinking about what comes next. Just sit in the pain for a while and think about who or what you've lost and what it meant to you. Lean into the brokenness you feel and 
make space to just exist for a while in it. It's totally okay to not be okay for a season. Yet there also comes a time when you begin to ask yourself, what does come next? What does the next chapter look like without this person or experience as part of my life? Uncertainty can make it difficult to figure out and envision a path forward. You know where you've been and who it was with and you know the future won't involve that in exactly the way it was before. But discerning the right time to take that step or the right way to take that step can be challenging. So I want to take a moment here to talk just a bit about how you know when it's time to go on, about when it feels right to dry the tears and start rebuilding your life after loss. The truth is that none of us truly moves on after a major loss in our life. Regardless of how many years pass, we will still be met with moments for the rest of our life when we perhaps get emotional or remember what we had during that particular season of life or with a particular person who is now gone forever. This is why it's wrong to use the term moving on when it comes to grief, because especially when it involves losing a person, moving on would mean that you forgot, and you certainly never want to forget. Therefore, remembering will probably bring some sadness for the rest of your life, and that's okay. Also, this is why it's actually not helpful to tell somebody that the deceased wouldn't want them to be sad. Honestly, if we could ask the deceased... They'd probably want to have at least had someone shed a few tears at their loss because it shows the depth of care and love the surviving had for the person who died. It shows vulnerability and intimacy and closeness. It shows relationship. So we need to encourage that soul-cleansing process of grief to run its course and not force people to suck it up so fast. I've often wondered why people say in their final words they don't want their loved ones to be sad for them or why others say that about the deceased. Because for the reasons I stated above, it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of allowing the grieving process to run its course. But I think I've figured out what they mean. It's a poorly worded way of saying that the deceased doesn't want you to waste your own life grieving for them. Because the reality is some people never get past their loss. They never find a new life, a new chapter following the death of whatever person or dream took place. They spend the rest of their days living in the past and wishing for what won't ever come back, and wasting precious time that could be spent making the most of their numbered days on the earth. One of the most famous examples of this is Queen Victoria. In a day and age where marriages were arranged, especially when it came to aristocracy, her relationship to German-born husband Albert was unique in that they actually married for love. Smitten with one another and happily parenting their children, life couldn't have been better. Which is why it was so devastating when Albert died suddenly in 1861, leaving Victoria a young widow and a single mother with a nation to run. She was so utterly heartbroken by her loss that she withdrew from public life for much of the remaining years of her reign, only making rare appearances when necessary. While it was common back then for the mourning to wear black for a period of time as a symbol of remembrance for the dead, she never wore any color other than black for the rest of her life. Every photo, every occasional public appearance, she was seen in the color of mourning. Queen Victoria never was able to discover a new life after Albert, and this is something all who grieve, particularly for loved ones, face. How to strike the balance between moving forward and still remembering. It's totally normal to be concerned that opening up yourself to new experiences, 
new relationships, new opportunities can feel as though you're forgetting the deceased. But the truth is, they're in your heart forever. And as long as you continue to keep them close to you in spirit and thought, they can never be forgotten. And there is a way to go on and live your life while still bringing them along with you in your soul and in your memories. There's a choice you have to make once you've been in the grieving process a while. Will you take the path of those like Queen Victoria who never find a new normal after their loss and let their grief become the defining factor of their existence? Or will you figure out how to incorporate that grief into the fabric of your life and let the loss seed new beginnings for your future? The reality is when you choose to stay stuck in the grief too long and don't bravely step into the uncertainty of what comes next and trust that God will show you a new way forward, you do the loss no service. Wishing things were different only robs you of the ability to see possibility in the present and hope for the future. Acceptance has to be part of the healing process. Being able to let that person go and realize that it does you no good to keep holding on to what is gone, to keep fighting something you are powerless to change. Same thing goes for accepting the death of a dream or relationship or experience. To continually try to will back the past and refuse to surrender to the situation is to take away precious moments you've been given, to still live and love in the wake of what has happened. When I lost my best friend Alex a few years ago, I experienced about a 14-month period where I was an absolute basket case. The grief I felt was so powerful that I knew I wasn't going to bounce back from it quickly. Plus, a lot of other people I knew died during the same time frame, so the process was significantly lengthened because of that. Tears were a constant, as was just a general feeling of depression and sadness. As I processed memories and feelings, I just couldn't get past how much I missed Alex and would give anything to have him back. Every person who has grieved knows that feeling. As months and months drew on and I still found myself deeply mourning this loss, I began to wonder if there ever would be a new life on the other side of loss. Would I be able to go on? But slowly I realized something. Alex only had 31 years on this earth. His life was short and now here I was, given more years to live than he did. My time would likely outlast his, and I had been granted more days to work with and make an impact than he ever would. And I knew that if I could talk to him, he would tell me to do something with those remaining days, to make them count. He wasn't a stranger to grief. Rather, he knew it all too well. He lost many friends in combat during his years in the military and was far too familiar with the proceedings of funerals, and the reality of death. Having also worked in a military hospital for a time, he'd been at the side of many patients who took their final breaths in his presence. He knew how to lean into loss. I'd seen him demonstrate it many times to me during the years we were friends, and I knew that if he were still alive, he would remind me that life doesn't stop just because somebody or something ended. Time waits for no one. And to set up ten stakes and vow to never go on, is a disservice to those you've outlived, because it's up to you to go and do what they never got to, and to embrace the years you've got left with purpose and hope. I remember the last big cry I had over his death. It was on one of the many anniversary dates we had throughout the year, where we remembered mutual fallen friends and shared our loss together. And here I sat, in the bathroom at the end of a really bad day, 
bawling and wondering if there'd ever be a day when I didn't fall apart like this. I felt the reality of the psalmist's words when he spoke of how his tears were like his food 24-7. But then strangely, it was like after that day, the, the tears sort of dried up and I realized I cried about all I could over it. I knew there would likely still be emotional moments in the years ahead and I would always have sad days. But somehow it was like after that one last big cry, it suddenly became okay to start finding a way to live again. Months later, I came across an Old Testament passage that struck me in a way it never had previously. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'd read many times about the story of King David's affair with Bathsheba. Talk about a tangled situation and what lust will lead to when left unchecked. David had stayed home from war and sent his men off to fight, which in those days a king and warrior of David's caliber likely would have been out on the battlefield, so that alone was already a sign of weakness on his part. But then he let his heart be infatuated by the beauty of a woman bathing on a rooftop, the wife of one of his chief officers. As we know, instead of realizing his sin, he had the officer intentionally put in a dangerous battle position and killed so David could take Bathsheba as his. A pregnancy ensued and the prophet Nathan was sent by God to speak to David and point out his sin. While addressing him, Nathan said one of the consequences of David's behavior would be that the baby would die shortly after birth. Even though David had been told the plan and had repented of his sin before God, he still pleaded with God in hopes that he would spare the child. Fasting and praying for a week while the baby fought for its life, David's assistants and court people began to get worried that when it came time for them to tell him the baby was dead, he wouldn't be able to handle the news. When the baby finally died, the attendants were whispering among themselves, trying to figure out how to tell David what had happened. He heard their whispering and simply asked if the baby was dead. When they confirmed it, David got up from the ground where he'd been praying, and then it says in verse 20 that he washed his face, put on fresh clothes, and then went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. This response stunned his attendants. Later on, after they saw him breaking his week-long fast, they asked him why this reaction to the death of his baby. He answered them, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. We've all been in David's position where we've prayed for different outcomes and wished to get back what or whom we've lost. We've asked God for certain results and held out for a miracle even when it looked unlikely. It's fair and right to do so. God allows for it. But when loss arrives anyway, there has to be acceptance. You see it here with David. He was realistic about the fact that to continue fasting and mourning indefinitely and carrying on did no good. Nothing he said or did could bring his son back. He could visit his grave and remember but he had to accept the loss and move forward with his life. In his case, he had to rid himself of guilty feelings, realizing that had he not made his foolish choices, that child wouldn't have ever been born or had to face the death it did. He had to seek God's forgiveness and forgive himself in the process. He had to comfort Bathsheba after all she'd gone through too. But he realized when it was time to go on. And go on he did. For the next child born to David and Bathsheba turned out to be Solomon, the wisest king who ever lived. There ended up being new life after death. 
a fresh start after sin. And it happened because David was willing to wipe away the tears and accept the loss, accept God's decision, even when it went against his own desires. It's really impossible to plan or project when you'll be at that point David got to, where you're ready to wash your face of the tears, say goodbye to the past, and step into a new day. When you'll sense in your soul that now is the time to rise up from the grief and begin making something meaningful of it going forward. Let it open up doors for new discoveries and chapters yet unwritten. But if you stay open to the possibility that there is life after loss, you'll know in your heart when that time comes. You'll begin to feel a bit of internal strength returning to you and a desire to get back out there a little and start dreaming and loving and living once again. It's like a closed-off part of you slowly wakes up and decides that it's okay to give yourself permission to go on, that it won't hurt the legacy and memory of the past or the person you've lost to start thinking about how to spend the days and years you've got left. It's a slow thaw, but you'll know it when it happens, and you'll realize this day, this moment, is the time to pull yourself together and go offer yourself, as did David, to whatever God has next. Grief, however painful, doesn't have to be the definer of your story. Just because a life or a meaningful situation ended doesn't mean yours has to end forever too. There is a way to let that loss absorb into the soil of your soul and fertilize new ambitions, new loves, new hopes. If I'm honest, there are so many things I now look back on that would never have happened had I not lost Alex a while ago. While it was by far the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever gone through, it seeded new friendships and new opportunities in its wake that I never would have discovered had I let that loss forever hold me captive. Yes, it was difficult to start over and figure out what life would and could look like without him, but that was also part of the intrigue, realizing that the what happens after is part of the journey as well, that this was not a dead end, but actually a fork in the road, another twist in the plot, and I could either keep reading the story or never know the ending just because I was too sad to continue. Whatever you may be grieving or whomever you may be grieving, may I just encourage you to keep open to the possibility that there is something more for you beyond the pain? It may feel as though this is the worst ending of your life and nothing could possibly ever get better after such a difficult loss. I get that, and I've been there. I've asked those same questions and struggled with those same feelings too. But the truth is God makes a way for you to someday dance upon your heartache, to see the rainbow of promise after the storm. Endings are also beginnings in His eyes, the start of something more He wants to do in and through you, even though it hurts in the moment. It's the birthing of new life on the other side of the past. Are you going to let the grief win? and allow yourself to be a hostage to its power for the rest of your life? Or will you choose to do as David did, and accept your loss as part of the plan, his plan? The choice is yours, and I pray you choose well. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast, as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, 
and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.